All right, welcome to the Laravel Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Stauffer, and with me is... Taylor Rotwell. I don't know why I did that. No one was talking. Welcome back uh, to the third episode of the new version of the Laravel podcast where we keep it nice and short and people complain afterwards that we didn't talk longer. The first thing we're going to be talking about is uh, some new work that Jeffrey's been doing in Laracast with integration testing. So could you talk us through what it is that you're doing there and yeah, just talk about it for a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So here's what I'm working on at the moment. Um, Do either of you guys do any form of integration testing for your applications? Uh... Sort of, yeah, yeah. I would say with Envoy, I did have a, um, I did have a few integration tests actually. Cool. Um, so here's the basic idea for anyone listening: an integration test is is pretty simple. It's just this idea of when I put these various components together, does everything work like I expect it to? So like you have your unit tests, and those are pretty isolated. You know, you're 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 making sure that messages get sent properly. But then sometimes you can end up in this situation where like, all your unit tests were turned green, but then when you actually try it out, it doesn't work, right? So that's when um, integration testing can be pretty useful. The most common example is, like, making sure your login system works. When I visit this page and I fill out this form and I have a user account, then I should be logged in and et cetera, et cetera. But what's funny about integration testing is um, a lot of people would say it's a scam. You see a lot of these videos around the web, which is a little crazy to me. Uh, I get the idea that they're a little more brittle than your unit tests. But for me, man, it's like required, right? I, I could not possibly run Laracast without this set of integration or functional tests, which you might call them, to ensure that everything works. You know, I just would not want to ever deploy or sleep at night if I didn't have that verification that it works exactly the way I expect it to. So what I'm working on right now is, um, well, there's tools to help with this, right? There's things like Codeception and Behat, and I think they're really great, but I've also found that in some situations, they're they're almost too much. You know, they're trying to solve uh, a bigger task, so to speak, and sometimes you're working on these little projects where it's just not really necessary. You don't need something to help uh, facilitate the process of talking with the business and making sure that um, for example, the terminology the business uses is reflected in the terminology that your code uses. You know, sometimes you're just not building something like that. Sometimes it's just not uh, even applicable. So what I've found is you can sometimes fall into this trap where you want to use those tools, but you spend an hour researching how, in fact, you use them. And you realize, oh, I have to pull in six or seven different dependencies just to get going. Uh, so what I thought is, wouldn't it be cool if you could pull in one package, you extend one class, and immediately you're good to go with lightning fast tests. And even better, I've sort of taken the, um, you know how good Elixir feels when you use it? It's just natural, right? It's how you wish all of this stuff would work. Well, uh, just like Elixir, this is sort of how I've um, approached the integrated package. That's what it's called, Laracast slash integrated. 
So you just write it out exactly the way you'd speak. For example, if you wanted to say, when I visit this page and I type this and I press that button, then I expect to see this in the database. You know, that's a common integration test. Well, the code you would write to make that work is almost exactly the way I phrased it. So yeah, I, I really do hope people check it out. So far, it seems like people are pretty excited about it. It's not meant to solve everything. It's not meant, like I said, to be a replacement for Behat. It's for those situations where what you're building doesn't really want that, but you still want the ability to make sure that the dang thing works, right? So yeah, I'm working on it quite a bit. It's coming out really well. There's a Laravel extension. There's a Goot extension. There's a Selenium extension to run all of this stuff in the browser. The API is identical regardless of the extension you use. So yeah, uh, for people listening, definitely check it out. Um, you get it through Composer, Laracast slash Integrated. Yeah, I know one of the reasons that we don't do a lot of integration testing is because there's set, there are myriad frameworks and 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 just like you said, getting it hooked up and getting the right dependencies and all kind of stuff in order is something. I mean, we didn't do unit testing for the longest time because even then it was really difficult to just say this is your pack, this is the way to have it set up, get it up and running. And it was when we started using Laravel that we started doing it more because it kind of just made PHP units so easy out of the box. Yeah, I agree. There's so much stuff that people don't do because they're scared and they don't know which tools to use or how to set them up. And we've done that with several areas, you know, with, um, you know, what Jeffrey's working on with testing and we've done similar things with queues and with Elixir, with Gulp. And it's all, it's all sort of similar in the sense that it's making things that might be overwhelming and confusing, really approachable. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing how difficult this stuff is. And, you know, we've talked about this before where it's like, there's certain sections of the community where that's sort of a badge of honor. It needs to be complex. It needs to be hard. And you need to spend a career and lifetime learning this stuff. From my perspective, it just doesn't need to be that way. We can make this so much easier. So um, for anybody who's not familiar with integration testing, we're actually in a circumstance right now where we have this code base that we've recently kind of rewritten with really great unit testing coverage. And we've got all these amazing tests, co co tests covering all this kind of stuff. And I'm just looking at it. And I'm like, why is this user interface not working? And I'm like, everything's green. You know, we built it. We hooked it up. And it turns out at some point, somebody renamed tiles to story tiles, story underscore tiles. And it only happened in a couple unique circumstances based on some very valid business rule. And all of our tests are still green. And half of the UI doesn't work. And there's nothing covering it. Green tests server says, you know, our uh, uh, not code climate, uh, code ships, every, it says everything's good. And we have no coverage to tell us that this is something's actually broken. And it's been kind of going through because it's this kind of like side thing. Nobody tests tiles every single time they're using the UI. And I just discovered, I'm like, well, this big piece is broken in several places and we had nothing covering it for us. So if the integration test, that'd be the type of thing that you'd write an integration test that says, I can go to a type thing of type product and I can edit it and I can go to the tile section and I can add one and then remove one and then edit another one. And when I save, certain things will have happened. And right now we don't have that coverage anywhere, even though we have really fantastic unit coverage um, because it just totally aired out because it was misnamed, but it only happened in the front end because their unit tests were assuming that your front end already was passing fields with the right name. So I'm I'm super excited about it. And being able to say, yeah, you can get that up and running easily is great because I've done a Selenium-based uh, unit testing framework in the past, and it was an absurd amount of work. And it's so clunky, and the syntax is so unfamiliar. So I'm, I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Yeah, all that's been solved. Uh, speaking of end-to-end -end tests, the Goose book, which is Growing Object-Oriented Software Guided by Tests, which is a book you can look up on Amazon, 
I was actually surprised to see that the very first thing they do is write an end to end, basically an acceptance test or integration test for the whole system, because they said they've seen so many times where people unit test the whole app, like you said, Matt, and everything's green, all the little pieces, but the whole system is actually totally broken. It doesn't do anything. So that's actually the very first thing they do is write end to end tests. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, it's the most natural thing in the world, right? Why would it not be that way? Why have we suddenly fostered this this community where if you were to write a test like that, oh, it's brittle, you shouldn't do that. Integration testing is terrible and dead. And you know, all of the, the crazy stuff that people say around this stuff. When you take a step back and you think, well, really, it's kind of the most natural thing that you would write. Yes, by its very nature, it'll be a little more brittle. But who would not want to have those sorts of tests uh, within their test suite. I know I would. So, um, yeah, I, I hope everyone checks it out, and uh, I hope you like it. And I think something that might be really valuable for helping people adopt this package and integration testing in general is if you could maybe simplify and abstract some of those tests you have running in a way that you could share it. Because, And maybe you do in a Laracast already, but I, I know one of the things is every single time I've ever seen an integration testing example, they say, I can click a button, I can log on, I can ensure that I'm logged on at the end, right? But there's never anything that's any level of maybe greater level of either complexity or business value. <laughs> so maybe it's one of those things where like we've always seen the same examples over and over again and maybe we need a little more you know useful an example cool well th thanks for sharing about that I'm, I'm really excited to check it out and i mean we again i keep saying this to you guys but we have immediate business use case for that at titan so i'm excited to check it out all right so next topic of conversation there's been little little sprinkles around uh around the the otwell sphere of a light bulb and a lumen and he's doing his famous you know trickle out little details about it so taylor you got any you got any goodies for us you want to share yeah, what's going on? It's so, so close. Um, it's something I've been working on for a couple of weeks now, and I'm working on the documentation today, which I assume I'll finish today. So who knows? Lumen might be out by, um, you know, Wednesday or Thursday. We'll see. But uh, I think it's going to be really cool. It's a, it's kind of, uh, it's you know, it's a free open source thing. It's not a paid service like Forge or Envoy. Or so it's something people can start using immediately and contribute to and stuff like that. And I think it's going to really complement um, the Laravel ecosystem really well and sort of flesh out um, one piece of the puzzle that was that was missing. So I'm really excited to um, drop that bomb, so to speak. That was totally vague and didn't give you any information. <laughs> exactly what I was just thinking. And uh, if, if you are listening to this and it's not out yet, you want more details. I think you talked about it in a little bit more detail on uh, Full Stack Radio. So if you check out Taylor's interview with Adam Wethen on Full Stack Radio, he... he doesn't give any any more detail but he talks a little bit more about how excited he is about it so there's a little more detail there too so all right so um laricon us and laricon eu are coming up in august um so taylor do you want to share a little bit about um i guess i mean just if anybody doesn't know about them dates times all that kind of stuff yeah one thing with laricon that i'm really excited about this year actually for the u.s in particular is we have the venue much later into the evening, and then we even have an extra um, space until 1030 in the evening for people to hang out and network and chat about programming or life or whatever they whatever they are talking about in their social groups. So I'm really excited about that because in previous years, we've had to all kind of bail out of the venue at like 5 p.m., and that's still pretty early, and you still kind of are left with this feeling of, oh, I wish I could have talked to this person or I didn't get a chance to say hi to so-and-so. So it's going to give a lot more opportunity for that kind of networking, I think. And then also, um, um, of course, both conferences are in August. Uh, U.S. is August 
11th and 12th, I believe, and EU is 25th and 26th. So they're pretty close together, and I will be attending both of them. And I think, I guess both of you are also attending US and EU, right? Yep. Yeah, that should be fun. Yeah, definitely. I'm really looking forward to it. And the venue in US is, it's right downtown in Louisville, and the hotel is right next to what's called, um, I think it's 4th Avenue Live or 4th Street Live, downtown Louisville, and there's lots of restaurants and uh, cool stuff to do down there. So it's a really great location and venue. Yeah, this will be the first time that we've ever had a Laracon based in the South, which is which is kind of fun. We'll, we'll have to get into it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We've already sold as many tickets for this year as we sold entirely last year. So we've already got over a couple hundred people coming, and we still have about four months to sell tickets. And really, we'll sell a lot of our ticket sales are at the very end. So I'm interested to see. We should have a pretty big group. I would imagine over 300 people um, attending this year. Wow, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So if you're uh, if you're planning on coming to Laracon US and you're not familiar with the the, the US South, I just want to prepare you. Just just start saying y'all, <laughs> y'all, y'all, howdy, howdy, howdy about two or three times a day and you'll you'll be ready to go by the time you get here. <laughs> hey, I think okay, I'm an English major and I think y'all is a is a very important word in our language, so I'm not hating. So No, but really, like it, it it's not like people go around well, at least where I live I live in Tennessee, people aren't going around saying that. Uh, we we have a funny joke about like, you know, everyone thinks if you live in Tennessee, we all just <laughs> walk around with cowboy hats, right? And it's like, no, we don't. The the funniest thing about this, I, I tell everyone this. Tourists will come to Nashville, they will see other tourists wearing cowboy hats and walking around with guitar cases. And then they all go home and they tell their families, yep, that's how it is there. Everyone's just walking around with cowboy hats, you know, on Music Row. And it's like, no, it's not that way. Uh, people wear cowboy hats a lot around here. Yeah. yeah, well, Arkansas is kind of a different beast, right? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I One thing I've noticed, because I'm, you know, I'm far enough north in Florida that I'm in the south. But the bigger the city, the less likely you are to see, you know, those those countryisms. So... Yeah, all that's right. True. Um, so moving on. Um, so we had a little bit of thing we want to talk about. Uh, over the weekend, I think it was two uh, websites kind of popped up that people have been talking about. One of them's Lara Edit, and one of them's Laravel the Right Way. And uh, I had talked to the guys a little bit about Laravel the Right Way, just kind of thinking about what does it mean. And if you haven't seen it, it's kind of like taking this idea of, of PHP the Right Way. So what PHP the Right Way is is it's a list of documents saying hey, look, there's a million different ways to do PHP and the vast majority of the time it's done wrong. So here's some kind of best practices and all this kind of stuff about how we can do PHP well so you don't have to worry about figuring these pieces out. Just do it this way and then go be creative somewhere else, right? So someone had the idea to to take that and make one for Laravel the right way and it got us starting talking about what does it look like to really run an open source project where there's freedom to do things and how much constraint do you want to put on what's the right way and what's not and how much freedom do you want to leave? So I just wanted to throw it out to you guys kind of what are your thoughts about that general not even this website in particular but that general concept uh within the laravel ecosystem so i like php the right way i think it's i think it's a pretty good resource and serves as kind of a really good glossary for um a lot of different php topics because it it covers things like testing and uh database stuff and all the way down to basic security stuff so it's a really great glossary for the language i don't I'm not a huge fan of that idea for Laravel or for like a framework because as soon as you say, this is how you do Laravel the right way, you really kind of set in stone the one true way. Obviously, it's intrinsic in the name to write Laravel. And I don't like how that limits people from exploring and finding new ways of doing things that might suit their problems better. And it also kind of, 
is going to be vastly shaped by the personality of the individual who writes it, right? So if you get someone that's very, um, you know, very much against any kind of strict architecture, they might lean more towards um, using facades all over the place and very uh, straightforward kind of classic Laravel code. Whereas you get someone that's more um, DDD oriented or more structured, you're going to get always inject repositories, never use eloquent in your controllers, maybe even use doctrine would be a better option in many cases. So it's going to be so varied depends on who writes it that I don't even like the idea in general. Yeah, it's a tough one, though, because I think a lot of people will ask, well, are there any best practices we could actually use? Here's an example. Like, Taylor, when you are building your own applications, when it comes to that idea of using Laravel facades, do you have any rule system in place, or do you use them everywhere, or do you maybe have a rule that you only keep them sort of on the HTTP layer? What's your thinking on that? Yeah, I use them quite a bit. Um I, my classes used tend to be pretty small and still easily testable, even if I'm using facades. If I notice that I'm importing like 15 or 20 facades into a class, obviously that's going to be a warning sign that, hey, this class is doing too much. So it's sort of like your constructor in that way, right? Like if you see you have six or seven dependencies in your constructor, that's usually when people start saying, hey, can we extract another class out of this, out of this class. So in a similar fashion, if I see that I'm bringing in too many facades into a class, that's going to be a warning sign that this class is doing too much stuff because I need too many features of Laravel to execute what I'm wanting to do. Matt, what's your thinking on this? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. So I'm back and forth on it. I'm fearful. I'm not fearful. I'm wary of anything where we take something and make it Laravelized. Right. So like, for example, you know, we all joke about it, but there was an article that went around a way back where it was, it was Laravel interfaces. Right. And somebody had learned about PHP interfaces through Laravel and they thought it was Laravel. And I think that there's especially because Laravel attracts a lot of people who are kind of newer to some more advanced programming concepts. There's this kind of fear that I have. And it's and so I, I hadn't actually thought about what Taylor said, which is, well, we want to leave people open and free to do it. Um, but it's for me, I'm always wary of something where it's like taking something that could be perfectly useful to the general community and say, well, we're going to make a Laravel specific version of it. Um, so my first response, especially knowing that it was a kind of a direct copy of PHP the right way, I kind of went, I had a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth, but I read through the thing and I'm looking at it. And so, so far it's, it's, I mean, it's brand new. There's almost nothing there. And so there's not even been the opportunity for them to do anything the right way or the wrong way. Uh, and so it's you know it's a little bit of a misnomer it's really just hey here's an introduction to laravel and so so the question is let's if i step away from so the the name would imply that a it's going to do what php the right way did which i don't think is good in general for laravel and b it's going to do it in a way that i think violates what taylor's talking about but if i was able to step away from the name and just say is there a space in the community for an introductory resource that his is like hey here's everything you need to know if you want to start laravel and here's a couple blogs to check out. Here's some people who are active on Twitter. And go to Laracasts. Here's the documentation. I could understand that. Because so, for example, if you look at Craft CMS, um, they take it on themselves to provide that kind of resource. So when I wrote a blog post talking about how to install Craft CMS on Forge, they linked it from their formal documentation. Well, with Laravel, we're trying to keep it a little bit trimmer than that. So I am open to the idea that some sort of beginner 
site that just says, here's the basics of the things you should go to learn. So it's like pre-Laravel docs, pre-Laracasts, pre-following people on Twitter. I mean, I'm open to it, but I think I have some some weirdness in terms of uh, it specifically calling it Laravel the right way, because I think that's just totally out of sync with what what I'm imagining it could be, and and if it was Laravel the right way, then you know we have some qualms that we just talked about here. So I, I feel like that I, I, I'm still a little unsure about it at this point. Yeah, you know, I th- I think you're right. I think a lot of this just has to do with the name they chose because right now I'm on the website and I'm just looking through it, and really, there's nothing here that's you know overly inflammatory, really even remotely inflammatory. Uh, I'm not even seeing best practices here. All I'm seeing is kind of just documentation stuff, a lot of roundup stuff, you know, so like, all right, here's a section I'm looking at on if you want to use DDD with Laravel. And really, it's just a list of links. So, you know, I think mostly this is ideas. It's not as much best practices really at all. Um, but but who knows where this site's going to go? Like you said, it's still in the the early phase. Right. But yeah, it's and interesting. I think that's maybe why it's important to distinguish the concept of how do I feel about this website versus how do I feel about the concept of Laravel the right way. This website, it's it's fine, whatever. It's cool. You know, there there are people who will find benefit in this. How do we feel about the idea of prescribing that there's a particular way you need to do things in Laravel? That's where this kind of worry comes up. And I mean, you know, like Taylor specifically has mentioned repositories a lot of times because he said, look, I wrote this book. I mentioned repositories on it. And then we had the great repository explosion of 2014, you know, like, so it's, I think there's this fear of telling people that you need to use this tool in a particular way in any way other than just that use it rather than using something else, you know, implies that you must. So we've, as always, we've got a million other things to talk about, and I, I'm going to get heckled for this, but I'm actually going to cut it off because we're after our, out of our time limit. So before we kind of close it off for the day, is there anything else you guys want to share about, talk about, or anything? I will I will tell you guys that uh, bef- before we recorded this version of the podcast, I listened to Carly Rae Jepsen, I Really Like You, and I blame uh, Stephen Wade. But, you know, as much as I don't like pop... Her songs make me like just so happy with my life. Like Call Me Maybe was irritating and overplayed and it still <laughs> is like one of the my favorite like catchy songs I've ever heard in my life. So Isn't it funny that we have to apologize for liking <laughs> pop music? Yes, That's just it's ridiculous. True. <laughs> okay, I'm you I'm sorry but you're going to get me going on Taylor Swift. I never knew much about Taylor Swift and my wife had like learned about her a little bit and she liked her and I was like, okay, that's cool. I just don't like country really or pop. Um, and then I saw the shake it off video and I'd never heard the song and I heard, saw the video. I was like, she has a, such amazing like sense of self deprecating humor or whatever. Like that's cool. That's that, the fact that that kind of thing is popular is cool. And so my son and I actually, he, he loves that video and he made me watch through all the, um, the making of videos for like every single dance style and now he just sings he's two and a half and he's like sitting there like singing the songs just by himself and like shaking his booty around and stuff so anyway taylor swift is a baller <laughs> she is baller i did not know this you know what's crazy though is all the people who who want to say that she is like a no talent hack and i always want to say like it's fine if you don't like this kind of music but what are you talking about she's ridiculous ridiculous like unbelievably talented when you think of how successful she's been and that's why she's had millions and millions and millions and millions of records yeah taylor swift is talented is justin bieber talented 
All right. Here's the funny thing about Justin Bieber. I I um, toy around with Justin a lot at uh, Laracasts. Not like I toy around with him directly, but uh, on the side, I have a lot of videos that will reference him. And here's the reality. <laughs> I couldn't tell you a single song that he has written or recorded. We know he's probably not writing this stuff. But yeah, like I, I have no opinion on Justin. It was just something that it's like a running gag that I've been doing for the last half decade. I mean, this goes all the way back to like the Envato days where I would I would introduce uh, Justin Bieber into some kind of tutorial, like let's learn how to build a Justin Bieber fan club site. And then like always, every single time there's this small group of people who get so upset because they think I'm serious. Here's what I like. I would have liked to have seen from Justin Bieber. We're way off topic now. (laughs) Whatever. It's fun. It's good. I would have. I think Justin Bieber is talented. He. He can sing, he can play drums, but I would have liked to have seen Justin Bieber go more the direction of Justin Timberlake instead of yes um, the direction he has gone. I think he could have seen a lot more longevity that way. And that's the Laravel Podcast. <laughs> All right. Laravel Podcast, guys. It was total pleasure <laughs> hanging out with you. <laughs> Talking about Tay-Tay and the Biebs. 